the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another exciting edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, and I'm joined by my co-host, Don Dix, the chapter leader of Act for America and Corona, a nationwide grassroots national security organization. And uh, do we have anything to talk about this week, Don? Oh, my gosh. Well, we just had the most amazing event in the Inland Empire last weekend, the Unite Inland Empire conservative conference we had 825 folks in a room uh learning about trump's first 100 days learning about how california is falling off the deep end and today we are extremely privileged and honored to have someone in studio with us who comes from across the pond as they say from britain great britain and uh she will be known to some of the folks in our listening audience as the author of a book called londonistan a book way ahead of its time in showing folks what was actually happening uh the shift the islamization if you will of europe britain uh she'll clarify my mistakes uh about that uh if uh, i've gone off track uh but her name is melanie phillips she has a website melaniephillips.com you can go to to see her latest writing she's a journalist an author a pontificator a person who takes who who watches over the uh, fall of civilization uh, welcome to the unite i radio show melanie thank you it's a great pleasure to be here and i bring you greetings from the uh, revolution central where the current revolutionary fervor actually started with the brexit vote Absolutely. Lots of revolutions have happened in Britain's history. No yes, doubt. it's a very revolutionary place. This is this is the uh, latest iteration. Yeah, we used to have a third co-host on the show, Don Hancock, who has really written about the, the, the American Revolution and our liberties really based on the English revolutions Absolutely. and history and, and standards and freedom that, that f- grew there. Absolutely. Well, I regard uh, Britain as the kind of mothership of American uh, culture. Um, it's where liberty was first invented. And America is, you know, the great protector and defender of those liberties. And, you know, the great relationship between Britain and America is, in my view, of enormous importance. And you were just at the Redlands Tea Party Patriots this past Thursday. And the, the title of your program was A World in Turmoil, an Islamic Europe or a Western Spring. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the great question. Um, and of course, both may be true simultaneously, which makes it even more confusing. But I do believe that the West is at a kind of tipping point. Um, that we have these um, uh, this, this tremendous anxiety uh, throughout, uh, certainly throughout Britain and Europe, and to a certain extent in America, but it's much worse in Britain and Europe, about Islamization, uh, which is taking two forms. Uh, one is the threat and the actuality of Islamic Uh, fanatic terrorism. And the other is the encroachment into Western society of a way of thinking which wants European and Western societies to adapt to Islam rather than Muslims 
who are immigrating into those countries to adapt to European society. So there's a tremendous concern about that in particular. And that has helped produce, it's only one of the reasons, but it's helped produce this wave of what's called either populism or nationalism, uh, which has swept Britain and is sweeping Europe. Um, it has produced uh, the Brexit vote in Britain last year when the British people decided, wrote, voted in the referendum, uh, in a referendum to exit the European Union. And it's producing convulsions in Europe as we, as we speak. Uh, 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 France is about to decide uh, on its next president. Um, and throughout the West, we see this great uh, movement, uh, which is, as I say, called populism or nationalism. And uh, in my view, both of those words, populism and nationalism, are rather pejorative. They sound rather bad, especially nationalism, which is supposed to lead to all bad things like prejudice and bigotry and war. I see this as very, very differently. I see this as a great revolt by the vast mass of millions of ordinary, decent people who understand what it is to be a Westerner, who understand and value Western national identity, who understand that Western culture, which is based on freedom and uh, equality and the morality actually of the Hebrew Bible as expressed in Christianity, uh, which is the basis of Western society, they understand that those things, those values are actually better than societies which don't have them. And these things have been mm. unsayable for decades. And this great revolt, which took the form of Brexit in in uh, Britain, uh, which I think is here in the United States, which brought your current president to power, is a revolt not just against a political elite, which is seen as out of touch or having left behind the Rust Belt. These are things that obviously contribute, but it's much more profound than that. It's a revolt against a whole way of thinking at the heart of which is the desire to do down and undermine the West, its values and its ability to express itself through the Western self-governing nation defending itself against attack. And I think this is a terribly hopeful point that the people mm. have made this view plain, but whether or not it's going to actually work and whether the West is going to pull itself back from the brink of what I consider to be a kind of suicidal cultural uh, decline over the last several decades very much remains to be seen. But isn't that that there's these two things that are happening simultaneously. One is the in rise of Islam. So after several centuries of the Islamic world going being in decline relative to the West, the Islam is seeing a resurgence in the strength of the belief of its people and and, and, the, and expansion. And, there, and this time there's millions and tens of millions in Europe of Muslim immigrants. But at the same time, the undermining of all these beliefs in Western civilization mm. and in Christianity <clears throat> that and it's more this is more profound this is more head of the head of where it is in America in, in Europe, so taking away what we believe in and, and bringing in tens of millions of people who whatever whatever you may say about it they know what they believe in and are every day setting out to expand and accomplish those beliefs. Well, these two things are very profoundly linked. I mean, you say this, you know, the Islamic world has had a resurgence. Actually, it hasn't had a resurgence. The Islamic world in itself is dying. It's not reproducing itself mm. in the Islamic world. And it knows it. It's dying for various reasons because it's lost hope in, it, in, in, in belief in itself. Um, it's, uh, uh, it, it understands that it is losing the battle against modernity. And indeed, the entire Islamic assault on the West is in 
to a certain extent, a defensive me- measure uh, because they believe that the West is the carrier of modernity. They believe modernity is about to uh, uh, destroy Islam. And so they have to destroy modernity. They have to destroy the West. They have to destroy America. That's how it's working. So they are dying, but they, are, they have understood the West better than the West has understood itself. They understood that in Britain and in Europe in particular, but also in parts of America, in the elites, in the intellectual elites, um, in the progressive uh, part of politics, there has been for several decades an undermining of Western society and Western culture, which has basically hollowed out the West. So it's made it vulnerable. It's created a kind of vacuum into which is marching uh, what I would call predict- predatory radical Islam. Now, I have to say, and this is something that is often not very popular in your country, but I think it's very important to say there are millions of Muslims who don't subscribe to this extremist interpretation of their religion who've come to Britain and Europe because they want to escape it. They want to enjoy the benefits of Western human rights. They want to escape the oppressive, uh, murderous uh, societies that they've come from in the Islamic world. But un- and it's very important that we understand that there are millions of people like that in the Isla- in, in, who are Muslims in, in, in the West. And that's why I use the term Islamist right. uh, to denote the political jihadi uh, form of Islam, which is the interpretation of the religion, which does not allow people that kind of freedom. Uh, but nevertheless, there are millions of Muslims who do subscribe to this jihadi interpretation of Islam, and they are the problem. I want to challenge you. We're going to take a break, but I want to challenge you a little bit on this notion of a resurgence, because it's not what we are being told or seen here uh, when we come back. But there's so much more that we want to get to. The difference between the media in Britain and our media here, uh, you know, secularization of Europe and uh, the fall of Christianity. And, uh, of course, we want to talk a little bit about, you know, national security and terrorism and what's going on. We'll be back after a word from our sponsor with Melanie Phillips, the author of the book Londonistan and the curator of the website MelaniePhillips.com after a word from our sponsor. Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, known as our sponsor of the Unite IE Conservative Conference, place to go for your real estate lending needs, residential and commercial, more with Melanie Phillips and the decline of Western civilization and possible resurgence after this message. Hey, Larry Elder here. Now, if you're a homeowner thinking about refinancing or you'd like to be a homeowner and aren't sure where to start, call my friend Ed Hoffman at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Rates are great right now, and from what Ed tells me, There are a lot of great opportunities out there in real estate. You need a lender you can count on, and I can vouch for Ed. He'll deal with you straight and advise you like you're part of the family. Just give Ed a call at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. I know Ed. He's a good guy. He'll talk to you like a friend and won't make you feel like you've just walked into a shark tank. Now's the time to buy or refinance. Give my friend Ed Hoffman a call at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Again, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or visit him online, wccloans.com. 855-640-2020. AM 590, the answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio. The former Muammar Gaddafi of Libya said that we have 50 million Muslims in Europe. 
There are signs that Allah will grant Islam victory in Europe without swords, without guns, without conquest. Will it turn into a Muslim continent within a few decades? Interesting. I, you know, I wanted to challenge. Yeah, I wanted to challenge uh, this notion that Islam is seeing a decline and get your get your under, get an understanding from you as to what drives your thinking. There, we had recently a movie uh, by uh, Dinesh D'Souza called 2016, and in that movie he talks about the formation of the United States of Islam. That there's a effort to bring about a new caliphate, not just from a militant perspective through ISIS and, and such, but also just through a political uh, effort. Um, and when we see Islam, when we look at Indonesia and the growth of Islam there and the movement towards a Sharia-compliant government, uh, we see the types of stories that Dinesh D'Souza weaves for us, that there is this resurgent. You said something in the last segment that Islam is seeing a decline. On what basis are we seeing... Or are you seeing Islam in a decline that would challenge those notions? I don't know about Indonesia, but my understanding is that in the Islamic world generally, there is um, a, a falling off in its birth rate so that it's simply not replacing itself. That is, you know, that is the killer for a culture when it doesn't replace itself. Um, and that contrasts very severely with the kind of headline about uh, the Muslim birth rate that we are treated to virtually all the time, which concerns the Muslim birth rate in Britain and Europe, mm. uh, which is very high. Um, they're having many more babies, uh, uh, Muslims having many more babies in Britain and Europe, uh, relatively speaking, than uh, the indigenous population. So the indigenous population is effectively dying out. Uh, if you like to look, look at it that way, over right. generations, whereas the Muslim population is increasing. But in the Islamic world itself, it's a very different story. Um, and uh, these, you know, the the intention to uh, to establish a caliphate, absolutely correct. Uh, the people who believe in uh, uh, that is Islam must conquer the non-Islamic world or the not Islamic enough world and make it more Islamic are in the ascendancy in the Islamic world, unfortunately. Uh, the people who have a more pacific uh, interpretation of their religion are, you know, they're relatively powerless and that's the problem. And so we have this movement consisting of millions of uh, radical Muslims who wish to conquer um, or in their view, reconquer some of the lands that the Muslims had previously conquered in Europe, for example, um, and to Islamize the non-Islamic world. So these things are happening simultaneously. Um, but when you look at their own indigenous societies, um, we think that they are strong. But in fact, I mean, I, I, I like to think of it as a kind of, this may sound rather picturesque, um, but I like to think of it as a kind of... Um, uh, dying monster, a uh, kind of dinosaur, which is uh, thrashing in its death throes mm. uh, with a very, very, very long tail. And as it thrashes with its very long tail, it is killing a very large number of people. But it is actually thrashing because it's dying. Islam perceives itself to be under mortal threat from modernity. If you look at the writings of Osama bin Laden, that is what he said. Um, uh, that modernity was coming at them in particular, and not just Osama bin Laden, but the 
the ideologues be behind modern-day uh, militant uh, jihadi Islam, uh, like Syed Qutb, um, who was the great uh, originator of the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, which is the principal uh, vehicle, the principal organization for the Islamization uh, of the West, um, he perceived, and he and others perceived, that modernity was coming for them. And he identified... Uh, in particular, the threat to women, the threat to Muslim women, because he, I think, correctly understood that the women of Islam are so, are so oppressed. They're regarded as having, you know, half the value of men. They're treated abominably. Uh, they are uh, oppressed in every kind of sense. And he understood that the message of modernity for women was one of empowerment for women, which probably couldn't be stopped. So he had to stop modernity. Oh. Um, in order to stop the infiltration, particularly with women, not just women, but, you know, women, you know, are very important. If you look at the history of freedom in the West, of, of, of political freedom in, in the West, um, you know, the enfranchisement of women was absolutely crucial uh, to the development of, of what we now can take for granted in terms of democracy and human rights. So women are crucial. Um, and he and other uh, Islamic uh, ideologues who created Islamism, political jihadi Islam as we know it today, um, they believed that the modernity had to be stopped, that America is the great carrier of modernity, and that America therefore has to be defeated. And uh, the uh, uh, the civilization in Europe has to be defeated, partly because Muslims were there uh, in Europe, you know, in Spain, and they were repulsed in France. And they have, you know, it's a sort of Islamic doctrine, as I understand it, that once a territory has been ruled by Islam, it's forever it is Islam, forever Islam yep. and anyone else is basically an occupier. You know, mm -hmm. you, just one note for our listeners, you mentioned Saeed Kut. Kutub. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes I pronounce it Kutby, but it's Q-U-T-B. I've always heard it as Kutub. Yeah. So at any rate, he is uh, one of the individuals that was involved in the creation of the Muslim Brotherhood. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Hassan Albana was the original father, I think, of the Muslim Brotherhood. But Said Kutub wrote a book called Milestones, yes. which is largely regarded as the blueprint for this mm -hmm. conquest, if you will. Mm -hmm. And what would be interesting, if people are ever in an Islamic bookstore, if mm -hmm. you're in a bookstore attached to a mosque, ask them if they have that book called Milestones. Mm. And that will give you a little bit of an indication as to what kind of a mosque that is, because any mosque in America that would have that book is definitely exposing the people in that mosque to that way of thinking. And that would be a leading indicator of the perhaps, of the presence of possibly other works in that bookstore of the same thing and what's being taught there. Just a, I agree a side entirely. note. I agree entirely. What's on display and what's on sale in Islamic bookstores is an absolute uh, 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 absolutely key indicator of uh, the radicalization of that community. Yeah. Time for another word from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs. And we also appreciate Ed's support of the United IE Conservative Conference. More with Melanie Phillips after this message. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. We've been serving our community with personalized homeownership solutions for over 26 years with offices in Moreno Valley, Temecula, Corona, Downey, Westlake Village, and Covina to service all of Southern California and Arizona. 
Today, we are experiencing excellent conditions in real estate and real estate financing. Interest rates are as low as they've ever been in our history, and real estate prices have come way up from the lows of 2010. If you've purchased a house in the last several years, there's a great chance that today your equity position is much better and available interest rates are much lower. Two factors that spell opportunity for you. If you want to find out what this means to you and you want to talk to a lender who will give you straightforward, honest direction towards an option that's best for you, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday, 9.30 a.m. and 9 o'clock p.m. And again, Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. Right here on AM590, The Answer. Licensed by California DRE. Broker license number 01147747. And California Financers Lenders License number 603K610. Licensed by the California Department of Business Oversight number 603K610. NMLS 9873. AM590. The answer. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire radio program. We are pleased and honored to have with us today Melanie Phillips from Britain. She's a journalist and author, wrote the book Londonistan that is highly regarded as the book that exposed us in the West. And she wrote it. It was published in 2006. Yes. She she wrote it before that time. And, you know, things have gotten much, much worse since that point way ahead of her time so we have in this country a new president who in his inauguration speech what dared to call radical islamic terrorism by its name radical islamic terrorism a term that was largely buried uh in the united states for eight years under the previous administration there is i think in the part of western leaders whether we're talking canada europe britain a an outright denial or conspiracy i don't even know what you would call it to not identify this component we've been talking about about islam it's all wrapped up in this term multiculturalism it's packaged very pretty so that we'll digest this monster but what is it about leadership that refuses to acknowledge what is so plainly obvious to the average person after they study this issue for a little bit? It is remarkable, isn't it? And you mentioned your new president, uh, who has robust views about Islamic extremism. But nevertheless, uh, your uh, uh, um, H.R. McMaster uh, here um, mm-hmm. is on record. General McMaster right. is on record as having said that the term Islamic uh, extremism or Islamic uh, terrorism is not helpful. Um, that uh, Daesh or ISIS, as I would call them, Islamic State, is not really Islamic. Um, and n- nonsense like that. In Great Britain, uh, we had an atrocity recently in which a Muslim uh, took a car, took a vehicle and mowed down pedestrians on Westminster Bridge before leaping out of his car, uh, getting inside the perimeter of the Houses of Parliament and stabbing to death a police officer. Mm. Um, and this was an atrocity which shocked and horrified Britain. The Prime Minister, Theresa May, made a very statesmanlike statement to the House of Commons reflecting the gravity of what had happened. Everybody praised her as having struck exactly the right note. I didn't think she struck the right note because Mm. what she said, among other things, was that this attack was nothing to do with Islam. It was Islamist, not Islamic. Now, I use the word Islamist because I think it's very important to have a word which denotes the radical kind of Islam, which allows for the fact that there are millions of Muslims who are not radical. And we have to always acknowledge that fact. But to say that Islamism, which is the political, radical, jihadi, aggressive interpretation of Islam, to say it's got nothing to do with Islam is it takes illiteracy to a new level. So the question is, 
Why are our political leaders saying this? And I've puzzled about this for many years. Partly it's because they are frightened. Uh, they think that they, if they talk about this being what it is, which is religious fanaticism, they will provoke more terror. Partly it's because political correctness means that they are kind of programmed, even conservative minded politicians. They're programmed to think that you mustn't speak disrespectfully of another religion and consequently you mustn't criticise it. Uh, so that's, that's also part of it. But I, I'm persuaded by something that was said to me a long time ago by somebody who was involved at a high level in another intelligence service. And he said he had wondered for years about why there was such resistance to calling Islamic terrorism by its proper name. Why he could not persuade the British who were, you know, he was dealing at the highest level with their intelligence service, he could not persuade them that this thing was motivated by religious fanaticism. Mm. And he said he'd come to the conclusion that there is something about the Western official mind which is so terrified by the notion of holy war that it denies it. Wow. Holy war is particularly terrifying because you can't control it. If you have people who are not motivated by venality, you can't, who are motivated by the belief that they are doing God's work, that they have to defend God himself, then you can't do what the British colonial uh, mind has always done to great effect. You can't play one group off against another. You can't appeal to their venal self-interest. Uh, you can't uh, divide and rule because they are motivated literally by a higher power in their minds. And consequently, a holy war is a fearsome thing. You can't control it. You can't get a handle on it. Uh, and it can go on for a very, very long time. And so, so fearsome is this idea of a holy war, said this man to me, that he believed that was the really the at core, the reason why the Western official mind cannot get its head round it. Now, I think that's quite persuasive, but I also think there's something else. I think that for secular people, they do not understand religious fanaticism. You have to have a degree of religious mm. belief to understand the religious motivation. Excellent Amazing point. explanation. We are visiting with Melanie Phillips, author of the book, the 2006 book uh, called Londonistan, predicting the uh, things that are happening today. Melanie Phillips, you can find more of her work, MelaniePhillips.com. We'll be back with more to talk Brexit, talk media, talk Britain's view of what's going on in America after the break. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire radio program. We have with us somebody that's giving us a view of the world from across the pond. Melanie Phillips, journalist, author of the book, Londonistan, written in 2006. And you can read more of her work on her website, Melanie, M-E-L-A-N-I-E, Phillips, with two L's, dot com. Is there any other place that you'd like to direct our listeners to? You have a Twitter account. That you're, are you active in social media? I have a Twitter account. It's at Melanie Latest. Melanie Latest. Twitter handle. But my website, melaniephillips.com, is where I archive all my work. I blog post. I post up blogs regularly. And people there can subscribe to my weekly updates and rapid response newsletters. Wow, awesome. Well, we just had a major election. You guys have had a major election in Brexit. Um, I wanted to get your, in, your view of America our president's first 100 days, the election of Donald Trump, the whole drain the swamp nationalism mantra. What do you guys see uh, happening in America from your perspective over there? Well, uh, in Britain in general, it's very hard to find anyone who has a good word to say for President Trump. He is regarded as um, 
as unhinged. Mm. He is regarded as untruthful. He is regarded as some sort of um, aberration, really, um, who is suspected of being a white supremacist. He's suspected of being a racist. He's suspected of being a neo-Nazi. I mean, there is not a single terrible crime of which President Trump is not being accused regularly uh, by the British media and in the British progressive mind. Um, And uh, that really carries all before it. Uh, My own view is, is rather different from that. Um, I mean, when in, in, in Britain, when people heard his slogan, you know, make America great again, uh, people cringed and winced and said, it's fascism. Um, it's it's white supremacism. It's 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 all these terrible things. Mm-hmm. When I heard uh, we'll make America great again, I thought, thank God somebody is finally saying this, because to me, uh, America is the great defender and promoter of freedom in the world and all good things. Um, and uh, the point about President Trump is that what he promised and what I think there are some signs that he's already done and what he obviously wants to do is to uh, defend this great country of America against its enemies, both from outside and from within. Um, And that is something that America hasn't done for a long time. And more than in America, uh, you know, it's not just the the last eight years you had a president who very much believed that the world would be at a better place if America didn't defend itself. Mm -hmm. It's more that there's a whole way of thinking in the progressive West, uh, it goes far beyond America, that the West is not entitled to defend itself because the West is basically a bad thing and responsible for right. all bad things in the world. And that is a, a doctrine, a mantra, which has literally been destroying the West from inside. So along comes President Trump, and he speaks from his gut. Uh, he speaks has how he feels. Now, I have some problems with this. I don't think presidents should speak from their gut. Okay. I think they should be quite careful about the words they use. I think language actually matters. I do wish somebody would take his mobile phone and his Twitter account <laughs> and throw it into the ocean. Very good. All um, right. But nevertheless, I believe you have to judge this president by what he does rather than what he says. And I think he is work in progress. I think he is on a learning curve. I think, you know, he quite obviously is a businessman who has no experience in government. He has to learn uh, what he is, what he's undertaken as president. Um, uh, he has many character flaws that I don't like. Uh, but nevertheless, I think, you know, where his gut is taking him is, 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 is really pretty good in that he wishes to defend the values that America stands for and promote them. Um, and that, I think, you know, if he does nothing else, uh, that would be a most wonderful thing if he manages to pull it off. How, do, how about the average British per citizen, the, the, the factory workers, every, you know, middle class working people, do they, not the elites, how do they view President Trump? Uh, I don't think they think much about him at the lower end of the scale uh, because at the lower end of the scale, you know, they're busy trying to keep their own uh, livelihoods together. Um, I think... uh, I I don't know what they think about President Trump. I don't think people at that end of the scale think about him very much. The middle class despise him. The middle class despise him. Really? Anyone with any education despises President Trump. Yes. I'm afraid that is a prevailing view in Britain because... They, they don't. Um, they, I have some sympathy with this because they actually believe that people say what they mean and mean what they say, and they believe that language is important. And they hear this man say stuff, which he then, you know, he 
changes his mind very frequently. He says stuff which is, is, is not sustainable. And I have sympathy with that. I think a president should speak more circumspectly. I also understand and believe that from the moment he emerged as a credible candidate for president, more or less everything he said was distorted and warped. So that what people think they think, what people think he said is not actually what he said, because I've seen countless examples of where he has been so badly traduced and misreported in the British media and in the American media as to bear no relation whatsoever to what he actually meant and what he actually said. And this, to me, is wicked stuff that's been going on. And so it's not surprising if people only, you know, if people actually believe what they hear and read, it's a kind of wallpaper effect. It's not surprising that people have come to the conclusion this man is, you know, an aberration in the White House. Now, you're, you're, now, British media, of course, the mainstream is probably is as left, if not more, than in America. But do you have a, a conservative alternative media, such as we have here, conservative talk shows, uh, Breitbart, Fox. Fox News? This is the point. This is the great distinction. This is the great difference between America and Britain. We don't have an alternative source of discourse. We only have BBC speak. Uh, We only have the world as seen through a progressive left-wing prism. And that includes the conservatively voting, conservative voting newspapers, uh, which uh, may vote conservative, uh, but never, or may, may, may support the conservative party, but over a range of cultural values, they've kind of drunk the Kool-Aid, they've Mm. drunk the progressive Kool-Aid. Um, and we don't have the alternative sources of discourse that you have. We don't have talk radio. We don't have the equivalent of Fox News. We don't have the great institutions, uh, the the AEI, uh, Heritage, Hudson, mm-hmm. these great think tanks, which were set up in order to combat the groupthink of the universities uh, decades ago in America. We don't have any of that. And as far as the media is concerned, we have, I think you called it the fairness doctrine. Uh, we have by regulation, uh, by, 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 by law, um, our media, our, our, our broadcast media, our broadcast media has to conform to the idea of balance. So when Rupert Murdoch set up uh, a Sky TV in Britain, he could not make that into Fox News. It had to have uh, an aspiration for balance. So we don't have the alternative discourse that you have here. Can people draw, get Fox News or other conservative media through the satellite or the Internet? Is, is, is that available? Yes, I mean, to a certain extent. But it's it, it, people don't sort of plug into it. Fox News is regarded as as um, as extreme as as basically American and and therefore foreign to Britain. It's it's not part of the British tradition. Um, so uh, it's 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 it it is not a player in the in British culture. Is there still a cultural look down the nose at those uh, ruffian Americans? Totally. Yeah. There's a great deal of snobbery still in Britain about America. A great deal of snobbery, and particularly about this president. Time for a word from our sponsor for this half of Unite IE Radio, All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. More with Melanie Phillips after this message. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer.
This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. And we are so pleased to have Melanie Phillips, a UK journalist and author of Londinistan, and another book, which is the other side of the struggle of Western civilization, A World Turned Upside Down, The Global Battle Over God, Truth, and Power. Uh, in recent months, there's been riots at UC Berkeley keeping Milo Yiannopoulos from speaking there while the university police stood back and did nothing. Uh, threats of violence kept Ann Coulter from speaking and David Horowitz. Uh, some conservative activists tried to have a rally. It led to massive street battles while the police stood back and did nothing. But you accomplished something that none of them could. You managed to speak at the University of California at Berkeley, and I saw no reports of rioting. How did you manage it? Well, it was a very strange thing. I was invited to address Jewish students originally at uh, Berkeley Hillel. Hillel is a Jewish student centre right. on various campuses. And um, I was invited to talk to Jewish students about the Middle East, um, about Israel and its struggle uh, against the people trying to destroy it. And um, shortly after that was uh, uh, the invitation was received, the whole Milo and Coulter thing blew up. And Berkeley Hillel decided it was too dangerous for me to speak at a Jewish student centre on Berkeley campus and address Jewish students. And so what was arranged was another meeting in a safe house on the campus. I will not say whose safe house it was because I hope it will be used again, uh, where Jewish students were invited personally to come and hear me. And they had to be coaxed personally to come and hear me in this safe house because... On the campus at Berkeley, Jewish students are now, I am told, too frightened to come out to address to attend meetings addressed by pro-Israel or conservative Jewish speakers. What a terrible indictment that is. Mm. So I spoke at this safe house. About 100 Jewish students turned up. We had a very interesting conversation. I delivered various remarks to them, uh, some of which they were surprised and agreeably surprised to hear because I was giving them arguments uh, in defense of Israel, but also in defense of truth and history and evidence, which even those Jewish students often don't know. And it's such a shame because I would have wanted to address many more Jewish students, but I wasn't able to do so because of these extraordinary conditions in which I was being invited to speak, in which I was being forced to speak. So the following day, I actually took my iPhone and I went to Sproul Plaza, uh, where it, which is festooned with uh, um, uh, posters uh, on the student notice boards saying, you know, fight fascism on Berkeley campus, stop Ann Coulter from speaking. And where one student... And they don't get the... They, they do not get the irony well, of that, was, do they? Well, there was a student who was shrieking every few minutes uh, when I was there uh, to advertise a meeting that was taking place on Thursday night uh, to protest about Ann Coulter, even though she's, as far as I can see, not coming. And what he was saying, this student, was very, very revealing. He was saying... Let's not hear any more of this rubbish about free speech. This has got nothing to do with free speech. The American Constitution does not protect 
Ann Coulter's free speech. She does not have any rights to free speech. The American Constitution protects people like us from people like Ann Coulter. We must get rid of white supremacism from the Berkeley campus. We wow. must get rid of white supremacism from the White House. Against this backdrop, I talked into my iPhone on Sproul Plaza and I basically said into my iPhone more or less what I said to the Jewish students, the hundred or so Jewish students who had bravely and gamely come out to hear me uh, on at, at this meeting in the safe house in order that I can put this on my website, melaniephillips.com, and uh, thus reach many more students who need to hear this. Is, are, are things as bad on UK universities? They're not as bad on UK university campuses, but they're getting that way. I mean, uh, everything is sort of similar in Britain to Britain America, but less so, uh, generally speaking. And that's the case here. And I've noticed this for many, for many, many years. The sort of campus, uh, uh, into the intolerance on campus has been much more violent here than it is in Britain. But it's getting bad. And Jewish students in particular, I'm, I'm a Jew uh, and I care very much about Israel and about anti-Jewish and anti-Israel uh, feeling. And uh, on campus, in Britain, uh, Jewish students do and have for years uh, run a gauntlet of hatred, of anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic feeling, uh, the sort of anti-Israel demonization and delegitimization, which goes far beyond just having a dis disagreement, just far beyond criticism, and singles out Israel for a demonization, which is uh, treatment afforded to no other country in the world. But off of campus, we at least have a First Amendment. So if, you, if we want to criticize Islam... We can do it, and the government can't lock us up. That's not true in, in, in Europe and in, 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 and in Britain, where if you say the wrong thing about Islam, you can and are arrested and locked up. Britain goes to some extent, to, to, to great lengths to protect freedom of speech. But on the other hand, um, it becomes very confused because they end up sometimes protecting uh, what they consider to be freedom of speech, but actually is an attempt to shut down someone else's speech. And that's what you have here. You have your university administrators saying we can't possibly uh, uh, stop these students from howling down conservative speakers because it's freedom of speech for the protesters. But it's not freedom of speech. If you get up and shriek in order to stop somebody from speaking, that's not freedom of speech. That's the oppression of freedom of speech. And we have a kind of similar confusion in Britain, but not to the same degree as you have it here. Well, I read an account where a man was uh, uh, arrested for quoting Winston Churchill in public and what he had written in his book, The River War, about Islam. Uh, these things are happening. There are also uh, uh, cases, isolated cases, but there are now quite a few of them, of uh, uh, evangelical Christians, the kind who go around with you know, sandwich boards saying the end is nigh, um, uh, who have been standing uh, on, on, in public places uh, uh, denouncing homosexuality by quoting the relevant passages from the Bible, and they've been arrested. Yeah, there was a uh, LA, actually a former LAPD officer that went over, who became a pastor and went over and chose the weekend of Wimbledon to talk about exactly what you're talking about. And he has, a, he has it on video of him uh, being reported by someone that was sympathetic to the gay issue and then decided uh, to talk about, you know, uh, evang evangelize, if you will, uh, his belief about um, homosexuality. He was reported and the police showed up and towed him away. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, this is how political correctness, as it's often called, uh, is operating. It's not actually political correctness at all. It's a kind of cultural totalitarianism which suppresses freedom. 
We have to take a break right now for the Unite IE radio program, but we're going to be back with Melanie Phillips with more about what's going on over in Europe with Brexit, the elections in France, and uh, some more about the Islamization of Europe after a break from our sponsor for this half hour. All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire radio program. We are pleased to have as our guest for this full show, Melanie Phillips, who we understand just got back from Berkeley, delivering a, a speech there on Israel, uh, learning now, in fact, that it was it had to be delivered because of what's going on there in, uh, secret. in secret, essentially, for the Jewish students there. Um, we also uh, have a book that she wrote. Uh, it is the Londonistan, written in 2006, that documents the Islamization of uh, Europe, Great Britain specifically. And uh, let's continue the conversation right now with uh, what's going on in Europe. We've got an election in France coming up. Brexit just happened. And then, as we can in our last five minutes here, segue back into the conversation of the Islamization of Europe and what's really happening under the surface there. So what do you see happening with the election in France? Well, the election in France, which is coming to a head uh, uh, imminently uh, with a new president being uh, being elected, um, is a contest between uh, people that n- no one would ever have expected to happen. These are people who are outside the political mainstream, where we heard that before. Um, but Marine Le Pen, who is the leader of the Front National, the National Front, uh, which has uh, basically fascist roots, um, founded by her father, Jean-Marie Le Pen, from whom she has assiduously tried to distance herself. She's repudiated his anti-Semitism. She's repudiated his fascism. She even now has stepped down from being the leader of the National Front in order to try to pretend that she's nothing to do with it. She's even apparently ditched her surname. So now she's you know, presenting herself as Marine without a surname at all. Mm. Um, but her, six, her attempts to kind of de-demonize her party have hit a a bit of a rock, the person who took over from her as leader was promptly outed as a Holocaust denier and had to resign. Mm. She's effectively, I mean, she, I, I, I don't believe her protestation. She is still surrounded by what I consider to be thugs, anti-Semites and neo-fascists. However, she is in pole position to become president of France. People think she's going to lose. However, to the centrist candidate, someone who's called a centrist candidate, uh, uh, Emmanuel Macron, he apparently came from nowhere. Apparently he was parachuted in from outer space uh, because he has no affiliations to either left or right mainstream political parties. He is supposed to be a centrist. Uh, uh, in my view, he's not a centrist at all. In response to the two crises that are afflicting France and indeed afflicting 
uh, mainland Europe, the crisis of democratic uh, legitimacy with the nations of Europe no longer able to govern themselves because they're part of the European Union. Uh, as a result, they can't govern their own immigration policies, as a result of which they are forced to see their own indigenous culture be, be, be undermined. On the one hand, on the other hand, and related to this, the problem of Islamization with violent Muslims uh, uh, in France and elsewhere. So the so-called centrist Emmanuel Macron, uh, his remedy to both of these uh, civilizational crises is more and deeper European Union. In other words, the very thing that is actually, I think, undermined uh, Europe and has actually caused uh, uh, extremists to come to power. Uh, it is caught, this is why Marine Le Pen is in the position she's in, because the entire political mainstream in France is seen to have abandoned the people over these two civilizational crises. Uh, Emmanuel Macron promises more of the same. So what a choice. What a choice right. faces France. Well, and you see the same thing here, and this is what led to Donald Trump, is you have these issues of immigration, open borders, international trade, globalization, and the decimation. There's been more than 70,000 factories in America that have been closed since, the year, since 2000. And the ruling class, the politicians, utterly did not care. So it took somebody like Donald Trump to come and give voice to these people's concerns. And same thing with uh, Marine Le Pen in France. And it's, and it's also, I mean, I've seen reports that, that she's very popular in some of the industrial areas where Macron was, was booed when he went into those areas. Quite so. Uh, you know, she has put herself into the position of being the only person who is standing up for the workers who are being betrayed and abandoned. She is the only person who is standing up uh, for people who are the victims of, of Islamic violence. There was a terrible, terrible event recently. A Jewish woman of 66 uh, was thrown out of her own window in her own house by a, a Muslim who came in. 11th floor, we might add. Pardon? 11th floor window, we might add. Uh, thank you. Yes, <laughs> indeed. And she was murdered by this, this Muslim shrieking Alu Akbar. Um, and he, uh, apparently he and his family, or he, uh, yeah, I think he and members of his family had been tormenting this woman, who was a Jewish woman, uh, for some time on the grounds that she was a Jewish woman. Uh, the official uh, French response, that is to say the, the, the media, decided it was nothing to do with Islam uh, because he was not a known terrorist and it was nothing to do with anti-Semitism because he was basically deranged. Now, uh, if you are a Jew in France, um, you will note, have noted the fact that the only politician, as far as I can see, who said this is appalling, this is an assault on the, on the Jews of France, we must protect the Jews of France from this kind of thing, the only politician to say that was just Marine Le Pen. But Marine Le Pen is surrounded by anti-Semites and thugs. If you are a Jew in France, who do you vote for? This is the appalling situation that we've come to in Europe. Well, things are so bad. It was uh, during the, the holy days of the last five. I don't know, it was Yom Kippur or uh, what's, the, what's the other Jewish? Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. Is they, uh, the authorities urged Jewish uh, Jewish people in France not to publicly do, I guess, do candles at that time. Sure. And not to publicly do that. And that's amazing that you, you can't publicly display that. Sure. If you're a Jew in France. Sure. So if you have a situation where the entire political mainstream seems to have abandoned not only the Jews of France, uh, who are being singled out in particular for Islamist attack, but also um, the rest of the French population, which is also suffering from Islamist attacks, um, uh, and you find that, you know, the entire mainstream doesn't really want to address this properly, and the entire political mainstream believes that the future for France lies in continuing to emasculate its 
powers of self-government by more and deeper powers being given to the European Union. We Who cannot thank you enough for joining us, but we are up against a hard break here. We could carry on a whole other hour of conversation. We just thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing your insights in our program today. Thank you for having me. Melanie Phillips, MelaniePhillips.com, and the book is written in 2006, Londonistan. Thank you for tuning in to the Unite IE radio program. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.